Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Bending the truth, twisting the truth, ignoring the truth. Believe it or not, these are facets of all of our lives. We may not like to think of ourselves as people who lie, 
even if some lying actually has an appropriate place in life. I think what's really problematic is when lying starts to shape a culture, when it becomes a societal norm or a geopolitical weapon. That kind of societal crisis, which conspiracies and untruths and so-called alternative facts all help feed, well, that is something we all ought to be vigilant about and aware about for our lives and our institutions and our democracy even, will not survive if we become a culture of lies. Well, that begs the question, what is truth? And what if truth is more than a concept or an idea or a theory? What if truth is a person with a face and a name, a person who makes a claim on you? Well, in the letter of the New Testament that is labeled 1 Peter, in the first chapter, there's reference made to a group of early Christians who, quote, listened to the truth, end quote. They were obedient to the truth. And because of that truth, they were able to love their neighbors deeply and intently and sincerely. So in my message today, I'm going to explore what truth looks like for Christians and what it might mean for our capacity to love our neighbors if we could understand this truth as Jesus Christ. That's how the early Christians seemed to understand the word truth or the idea of truth. And that's what Jesus himself actually displayed when confronted by the Roman governor Pilate with the question, what is truth? But first, we turn to this reading from 1 Peter, the first chapter, beginning at the 17th verse. If you call on a father as one who judges all people impartially, according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during your time of exile. You know that you were redeemed from the feudal ways you inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him, you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are set on God. And then this 22nd verse. Now that you have cleansed your souls or purified your souls by listening to the truth so that your love is sincere, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. Here ends the reading from First Peter. So take a listen now to a word about truth, not as an idea, but as a person. Dear friends, I said I wanted to speak to truth or about truth uh, this morning. And so I'm going to use this reading from 1 Peter uh, to do so. Uh, the backdrop or the context for that reading, if I may, is to help you and uh, me realize that uh, this is a community, this letter that's written, 1 Peter, is to a community of first century Christians living in towns in modern-day Turkey. And they were under a lot of social pressure to conform to the Roman Empire that's completely enveloped them. So 
there was uh, eating at festivals where they were expected to eat the meat of sacrificed uh, animals. They would burn incense or were asked to burn incense at the base of statues of the emperor. They would declare Caesar's Lord or they were expected to. They were supposed to make their own sacrifices to local gods and on and on. So the writer of this letter is uh, communicating with them and says this word as encouragement. Now that you have cleaned up your lives or cleansed your souls by listening to the truth so that your love is sincere, love one another deeply from the heart. So let's take a dive, if we will, if we may, into this notion of truth. Beginning at a very early age, uh, all of us discover some pretty clever ways, creative ways, to fudge the truth, to bend the truth. Uh, little white lies, if you will. Sometimes it's to save face. Sometimes it's to save time. Sometimes it's to save a friendship. We do it for all kinds of different reasons. We're pretty adept at bending the truth. Now, telling a lie is not all uh, out of order. There's very appropriate places in which to tell lies. It happens a lot on memory units from caregivers who are trying to help people without much memory find their way. I think of back in the 1940s when Dutch Christians did not tell the truth about where 30,000 Jews were hiding in Amsterdam when the Nazis invaded um, the Netherlands and they saved tens of thousands of lives by not telling the truth. You may doubt your capacity to lie, but please don't. Uh, think of a time when someone asked you how you were feeling and you weren't exactly transparent with the truth when you responded to them. Or recall a time when a friend asked you what you thought of their new glasses or their new haircut or their new outfit and, or their new friend, who is difficult, perhaps, in your mind, and you couldn't bear to tell them the truth of what was really on your mind. So we can, we can be pretty good um, about ourselves, uh, feel pretty good about ourselves, even as we tell these little white lies, and even as they accumulate. If we lie in big ways, great big ones, social scientists tell us, well, we start to feel bad about ourselves. But smaller versions of untruthfulness, they still leave us with pretty good self-esteem. And when we manage to balance the moral pluses and minuses uh, in our lives, enough to keep our lives headed in a kind of positive direction, we feel mostly good about ourselves. We want to think of ourselves as telling the truth because um, I think honesty has been inculcated as a society into our lives. It's a value to be honest. So, yeah, we know the truth. It's supposed to organize our lives. It's essential to human community. It's a foundation in the social fabric of, of this world. The ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's basically saying, you, you know, do not lie to your neighbor. Neighbor's a big word. It means a lot of people. Don't deceive them. Don't speak falsely to them, because you know what you're going to do? You're going to tear apart the social fabric that makes the world what it is. And once a culture allows truth to become relative, that culture is fighting for its life. Because to abandon truth 
to, is, is really to degrade the bonds of, of trust, the networks of trust on which society is built on and on which our relationships so depend. So truth is fighting for its life. Whenever disinformation or half-truths or alternative facts or conspiracies or a dismissal of empirical realities, truth is fighting for its life whenever these things start chipping away at the bonds of trust and the social fabric. And you know as well as I do that lying has kind of become a geopolitical weapon. If you've ever witnessed somebody who creates reality around how they feel, their own script, their own set of facts, their own perspective, all detached from any kind of objective truth, well, you get discouraged. It's disheartening. Just when you thought truth was supposed to organize our individual lives and our communal lives, you see people prone to accepting whatever lies affirm their worldview. And it's devastating. But here's where faith has something to say. Here's where uh, this little line from 1 Peter, as just one example from Scripture, speaks. Where the writer says to these early Christians who have resisted conforming to the Roman Empire, they've held back on that. And he said, you who have cleansed or purified your lives by listening to the truth, you have and are now able to love your brothers and sisters in a sincere, in a fervent, in a very intentional way. So what is truth? That's the question the Roman governor Pontius Pilate put to Jesus. What is truth? And you can just sort of hear that question bounce off the walls of the praetorium when they were asked. And if you know that little scene from the Bible, Jesus, he doesn't say a blessed thing. It's just those three words are echoing above the, around the high ceiling space they're in. Jesus just stands there as truth himself. Like a full-length mirror, you know, that reveals the untruth inside anybody's, anybody who's courageous enough to look into that mirror. He stands there, and he doesn't say a blessed thing. You could hear a pin drop. So this morning, I want to say to you, what if truth is a face? What if truth is a name, a, a person, not an idea, not a concept, not a theory, but truth is like a, a person that reaches out to you and that lays a personal claim on you and that beckons you, you know, to stop living a lie. What if truth is more than an idea? Jesus, by the way, never says, follow my teachings, these ideas that are pretty good for you. He says, always follow me. What if truth is a person? In the Greek language, the word for truth is aletheia, and in ancient times that was used to describe uh, the, the, the process of unveiling a sculpture. So if some artist in wherever created this beautiful bronze or plaster or whatever sculpture, it would be draped until the public unveiling. And that very process of pulling the drape off, that um, unconcealment, that disclosure, that revealing, that was referred to as 
Lathea. And once the drape was pulled, you know, the invited guests could walk around that sculpture 360 degrees, check it out from all angles, inspect it. In Roman mythology, the image of a nude goddess holding up a mirror was the, was the word for, for this truth. Pilate says, what is truth? And the only answer Pilate gets is Jesus himself. The truth that is Jesus. Jesus who offers himself as a mirror for others to see the truth of the untruth that is in themselves. He stands there like a mirror so that when you look at him or into him, you see yourself and where you're truthful or not. It's Jesus before Pilate, as if to say, you go ahead and you look me over as closely as you want. You can walk 360 degrees around me. You can see who I am when no one is looking and see if I'm any different than when you are, in fact, looking. If you watch me, if you listen to me, if you stay with me, you will know God. God may not be exactly who you want God to be, but you will know God if you're willing to look into this mirror. When Pilate and the Roman authorities look at Jesus and they look into that mirror, they're so appalled by what they see that they destroy the mirror. They execute Jesus because they can't face who they are and what they have made of their own lives. Aletheia. You know, sometimes it's a lot easier not to look at Jesus because when we don't look at Jesus, we feel pretty good about and pretty okay about who we are. We compare ourselves with each other. We don't look so bad, right? I mean, you just compare yourself with some other people you know and you look pretty good and I look pretty good. But look at Jesus and we're all in trouble. Barbara Brown Taylor uh, tells the sto a story of being at a retreat one time and uh, the leader asked everyone in the room, a circle of about 20 people, asked them to think of someone in their lives who represents Christ. Well, when it came time for everyone to share uh, what they thought of and who that representative person might be, one woman said, you know, I had to think hard about that one. I kept thinking, who is it that told me the truth so clearly? about myself, that I wanted to kill that person for doing so. Jesus, he strips away all covers, all drapes, all facades, all self-delusions. He is a mirror who helps us to see who we are. You peer into that mirror and you have to face realities you prefer to ignore, and I do as well. Some of what we do with our days, much of what we do with our days, it's pretty self-serving. Our hearts don't exactly break enough for people who are hurting. We worry way too much about what other people think of us. We probably don't love the kids of this world as much as we should. We're more likely to be kind towards someone who responds to us or says thank you to us. You know, we find it easier to talk about prayer than actually praying. And morality, well, that's often defined by what we approve of personally. And on and on. Jesus says in numerous places in Scripture, I came into this world essentially to unveil God. 
to reveal or to disclose God, to pull off the drape, to let you in on what truth really is. We don't smash that mirror called Jesus because Pilate and the Roman authorities already took care of that. But we've got to watch avoiding this mirror or ignoring this mirror or being scared of what it means to look faithfully into this mirror. And bringing ourselves to church, no less, uh, every single week allows us to do, actually, uh, just this. Look into the mirror. What if truth is not an idea or a concept, but a person? Someone who wants to make a home in us so that we can be at home in the truth. That's what happened to those early Christians in our reading from 1 Peter. Now that you have cleaned up your lives and purified your souls by listening to the truth, you get to love one another deeply from the heart, sincerely, fervently, intently. And that's exactly what they did. And what we get to do when we look into the mirror and see truth. Amen.
invite you to pray with me as together we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. May you have both the awareness and the faith to recognize our Lord's desire to make truth at home in you, so that you might become at home in the truth. Have a blessed week. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.